Jessica is a Melbourne comedian who regularly, regularly performs at Political Asylum. She has two kids and lets them mix bicarb soda and vinegar whenever they want. <laughs> Jess has lived overseas, including in Nigeria, where she learned more than she wanted to about Ebola. So thanks, Jess. <laughs> Guys, I had a solid 10 minutes on postulates of cock that I've just had to rip up and throw away. So I'm going to do my best uh, to make lemonade and I'm going to talk to you today about um, Catherine Boyle, who is also known as Catherine Jones, who is also known as Lady Renler, who is also known as Viscountess Renler. I've got Wikipedia and uh, I know you do too. So to make up for that, I read a doctoral thesis <laughs> in order to prepare for tonight. Um, so, let me tell you some things about <laughs> Catherine Boyle. She was born in 1615 in Ireland. She was the seventh of 15 children and her dad was the Earl of Cork. She went on to become one of the most um, admired and influential women of the 17th century and she had a remarkable ability to stay friends with people even when she disagreed with them and um, even when uh, things kind of went the wrong way between them. And by went the wrong way, I mean there was a revolution and the people who she used to be friends with had their heads on sticks. Um, so she was kind of like a 17th century intellectual powerhouse, Miss Congeniality. Um, she was a scientist, so um, I'm allowed to talk about her tonight. She was a natural philosopher and she practised medicine. And she had a really brilliant circle of friends. Um, so they included natural philosophers, physicians, politicians, theologians and literary figures as well. Um, she was active in the leading intellectual circles of the time, um, like the Hartlib Circle and the Invisible College. Um, has anybody heard of the Invisible College? Yeah? No? Not many people. Um, I'll just explain. Um, yeah, exactly. It, it, it was kind of like um, Trump University, except people believe that the Invisible College actually existed. Um, that's a joke. Um, <laughs> um, okay, it's going to go well from here then. Um, so <laughs> Catherine's main notoriety now is because um, she was Robert Boyle's big sister. Um, so Robert Boyle, obviously, he was a super big deal. Um, he was the first modern chemist. Um, just as a kind of science detour, uh, he had a law, Boyle's Law, and Boyle's Law is that within a closed system, um, the relationship between the absolute pressure and the volume of a gas is inversely proportional as long as the temperature is kept constant. So if volume increases, there's less pressure. If volume decreases, there's more pressure, and that relationship is neat and proportional. Um, it's like with pants. Um, if your pants are bigger, there's less pressure. And if your pants are smaller, there's more pressure um, from your body trying to escape your pants. Um, I call this law Jess's law of pants. <laughs> um, if you pop a button, you're going to enjoy an inversely proportional increase in your comfort. You're welcome, guys. <laughs> Thank me later. Buy me a drink. Um, so yeah, Catherine's brothers got an amazing education. They went to Eton, they went on um, trips to the continent um, so that they could perfect their Latin and their French and their maths. Catherine and the other Boyle daughters got foundations of religion and civility. 
um, which was lucky because they needed faith and good manners to put up with all the misogynistic bullshit that was raining down on them. Uh, <laughs> so um, when Catherine was nine and a half, she got sent to live with a family called the Beaumont family. And the reason that she was sent to the Beaumonts was because she was contracted, her father entered into a contract for her to marry um, with a little guy called Sapcot Beaumont. And, and you'll think that Sapcot is a bad name until you learn that um, one of Catherine's sisters was really called Lettuce. <laughs> so, so Sapcot's a lucky guy. Um, but, but when Catherine was 13, um, Sapcot's father died and all of the marriage arrangements fell away. So she moved back home and when she got back home, her father commented that she had lost her foundations of religion and civility. Um, when she was 15, she was sent off again to marry, this time for real. Um, she married a guy called Arthur Jones and she became Catherine Jones. So a historian has said um, her husband had a reputation for boorishness even at the time of their marriage. Now, as someone who's had a reputation for boorishness, I don't want to cast the first stone, um, but that's pretty harsh 400 years later. But it gets worse. Um, one of Catherine's friends wrote in a letter to another friend, he hath only one virtue, that he seldom cometh sober to bed. <laughs> Right? Like, when the best thing that you can say about your friend's husband is that he's usually passed out drunk at bedtime, that's an awkward brunch, you know? <laughs> that's like some Solange in the elevator kind of <laughs> critique. <laughs> um, so, so, Catherine and Arthur, they mostly lived apart. Um, but um, through, through the powers of alchemy and transmutation, they did manage to have four children. Um, okay, so... Enough gags. Let's talk about Catherine's work. Catherine was a natural philosopher. She had an interest in chemistry, in horticulture, in maths, in optics, and her opinions in those areas were sought out by the leading intellectuals of the time. So they would write to her in letters and ask for her opinion about their work, and she would weigh in on what she thought. The Hartlib Circle was very interested in alchemy, and um, you guys will know one of the aims of alchemy was um, to transmute base metals like lead into um, noble ones like gold. And Catherine even wrote to Samuel Hartlib with um, kind of a special piece of information, um, a kind of lead, a story about the philosopher's stone. So she was kind of right in there um, corresponding about, about all of these things, not the Harry Potter one, the other one. Um, so she developed medical recipes which she shared um, and she made medicines in her kitchen and still room which she administered within her community. Um, she also passed medicines um, developed by others along. Um, so she would, she would record recipes and then she would share them within the Hartlib Circle. And one of these was for a recipe called Lady Kent's Powder um, which mightily facilitates childbearing and is admirable for staying of vomits. Um, which, incidentally, um, my Uber rating reflects that I am admirable for staying of vomits. <laughs> and I hope yours does too. Um, so, as well as being a natural philosopher, she was a lot of other things. She was a political and religious philosopher. She weighed in on legal matters. She campaigned for educational reform. And among her friends, she was renowned for her piety and her religious authority. She even believed in providence. So when the plague struck in 1665, um, she saw it as God's wrath for people doing the wrong thing. Um, one thing I really wanted to talk about was the fact that 
Catherine always wrote in manuscript form, so her work was handwritten and it was not published in print. So she hand wrote letters to members of parliament, to religious leaders, to royalty, to fellow intellectuals. They respected her greatly, they listened to her views, they sought out her views, but she never tried to have her work published. Um, some of her manuscripts were written one-on-one -on -one with kind of a view that maybe somebody would extract something from them or pass them along to another select audience, but, but never printed. Um, and that was because in the 17th century, print was considered to be immodest and not immodest in a bragging way, immodest in a slutty way. Um, so manuscripts were a kind of one-on-one -on -one chaste form of communication that was acceptable for women of that era because print was considered promiscuous. So, you know, from a 17th century perspective, the New York Times bestseller list is basically just a really advanced form of slut shaming. Um, that's also a joke. Uh, <laughs> Um, so, just, just getting, getting towards the end of Catherine's life, um, she was very close with her brother Robert Boyle for the last 23 years of their lives. Um, Catherine and Robert lived together and she had a little laboratory built at the back of her house. Um, Robert actually died just one week after Catherine and at his funeral, um, their friend Gilbert Burnett also eulogised Catherine and he said... She had, with a vast reach both of knowledge and apprehensions, a universal affability and easiness of access, a humility that descended to the meanest persons and concerns, an obliging kindness and readiness to observe those who had no occasion for any further assistance from her. And with all these and many more excellent qualities, she had the deepest sense of religion and the most constant turning of her thoughts and discourses that way that has been perhaps in our age." Such a sister became such a brother. So science had finally transmuted the worthless lump of lead of a woman into the gold nugget of a man. <laughs> um, so that was good news for all of those in the 17th century who were hoping to have alchemy um, proved to be true. So I think um, maybe in that time um, there was an inversely proportional relationship between a woman's public defiance of social convention and her influence. The greater her piety, her modesty, her ability to privately win people over, the more power she had. So if a woman made herself very small so as not to step on anyone's toes, the pressure that she could exert was greater. This is Catherine Boyle's law and we should ask ourselves how true it remains today. <laughs>